At this time, KCICFM invites you to join us for our weekly live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church. Just a moment, I'm going to have Pastor Larson come. Um, for those of you, there are a few that are still around when Pastor Larson first came. How many were here in 1974? Okay, there's still, there's still some hands. In 1974, Pastor Larson came here. He pastored before at Faith Baptist a church down there on 12th and Orchard, and then had gone away and then came back here to Pastor Pear Park Baptist Church. During his ministry here, um, just right off, right out of the starting gates, they started a Christian school. And then a short while after that, 1979, started a, the radio station, the FM radio station. Um, and uh, then it was in the early 80s that uh, we were just, we had just packed out. There was just so many people here and uh, had to build this auditorium building, and uh, that was built in the early 80s. And uh, then and then Pastor Gardner joined our staff under Pastor Larson, and we had a church planting, really it ended up turning into a church rescue ministry, and that still goes on today. And uh, so all of these different things. 1975, uh, Pastor Larson uh, retired from uh, pastoring Pear Park Baptist Church and, and went down to Phoenix and um, started a church down there and also helped teach in the seminary down at International Baptist College or the, the college down there. So um, back in, it was back, I think, in 2005, uh, the Larsons came back and uh, uh, been ministering ever since. And, of course, Betty went to be with the Lord um, a number of years ago, and uh, the Pastor Larson found Francis. And, uh, and what a team. And uh, they have uh, jumped in. I asked Pastor Larson a number of years ago if he would head up our, our jail ministry. And you usually don't take a man at that age and ask him to oversee a ministry, but uh, the Larsons have just done a bang-up job, and we're going to miss them. They're going to leave a big hole. So, Pastor, you come, and um, appreciate you. You're my pastor, <laughs> and I, I appreciate that. Well, some people think that 92 years old, you're done. I hope that ain't true. You want to say a word really about appreciation for this dear lady here. We, my wife and I on occasion got to go into her office and get things connected with where we were going and what we were doing. And the chaplains that are here appreciate that. And uh, it has been a real learning experience. And by that I mean that most of us, most of the time, have a little understanding of people who have been caught up in problems, whether it's alcohol or drugs or any number of other things. And we are not really knowledgeable about their, their heart and how to speak to them for the Lord. And I would, I would hope, I would pray that all of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior would make it a point to realize that it isn't just the hail and the hearty and the, and the up and up and so forth. And uh, we could call out tonight, right now, people that, are, that we know have been there and whose lives are changed because they're here and they want to please God and serve Him. I remember one lady that we dealt with 
She said she couldn't wait to get out of this place and find that little black box she had hidden. Well, she'd had a lot of training. She had three years of nurse's training and so forth. She was not unknowledgeable about things. But when she got saved, her life is completely transformed. She is a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. She now lives in the state of Washington and uh, is a terrific testimony for Christ right there. And that's what we love to see. Men and women whose lives are transformed. And don't think for a minute it can't be somebody that's down and out. In fact, they may know more about the problems and how to deal with it than we do. And so it's been a real privilege to have a little part in learning and helping any way we can and could to see lives transformed by God's grace. So thank you, folks. I appreciate all the wonderful things that uh, you have expressed, but uh, we're just sinners saved by grace. Uh, I'm down here, and I don't dwell on these kinds of things. I'm wearing tennis shoes. <laughs> Half of my left big toe was cut off and trying to heal and been um, of necessity doing things around the place, getting ready to move that technically I wasn't supposed to be doing, but I had to do it. So it looks like it's going to survive in spite of everything. So let's uh, turn in our Bibles to an interesting little book. Uh, it comes between the book of Titus and the book of Hebrews. And uh, it's only really in a full page. It only covers about a full page. It's a letter to Philemon. And I don't know how much we know about Philemon, but uh, I'll read the verses and then we'll think about it. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved fellow worker. To our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of ye always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. And saints are not idols, they are people. Just be sure we understand that. Verse 6 says that the fellowship of thy faith may become effectual. Accomplish something by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in, your, in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the hearts of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. That's uh, seven verses of 25 verses of the whole book. Now, I title this God's Way or the Highway. It's really going to be one or the other. The people who have chosen the Lord and are determined by God's grace that uh, 
They're going to live for him and serve him and please him as long as they have a breath to draw. They're the ones that uh, are going to make a difference in other people's lives. And it's interesting in these few verses, he hits upon some very clear issues that determine how that's going to come to pass. John 3.16, of course, knows. God so loved the world that he gave. Didn't have to, but he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Wow. You can't buy that in the supermarket. That's only something that comes to us so we recognize that we are sinners by birth and we trust Jesus Christ to be our Lord and our Savior. If you and I have experienced that and want to please God and do things his way, it's going to make a difference to us and somebody else. You've heard the expression, it's God's way or the highway. And nothing could be more true than what God's word tells us about why the Lord came and what he does, and we know him as our Savior. And so it's interesting in verse 1, notice what he says. A prisoner. Did you get that? Of Jesus Christ. Now, what do you know about the Apostle Paul? Well, you know that he was a zealous Jew. He wanted to kill the Christians. And one day... The Lord struck him down and he got saved. Trusted the Lord as his personal Lord and Savior. And he became a fireball for the Lord. There's absolutely no question about that transformation. Now, it, hopefully it's likely that you and I will never have to come that route. But when God touches our heart and we're saved and we understand what is needed in the heart and life of people that don't know Christ, that's going to change things, isn't it, in every way? So, Paul says he was a prisoner. Not only literally sometimes in prison, but that applied more deeply than that. He was a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that. Have you found that to be true in your life? Have you made that decision? Have you decided that I'm his, no matter what happens? I belong to him, I'm going to serve him, I'm going to do what he wants me to do. I'm going to be his prisoner. I don't have a will of my own, I have his to guide me and direct me. So there's a choice. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, born again, sins forgiven, joy the Lord, and something to live for and bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Soldier. So, a soldier, by definition, is one who is in submission to higher authority, right? No soldier does it on his own. He has responsibilities. He is given things to do. And he is yielded to the one who is above him. He is a prisoner by choice. 
control, circumstances, politics, all those things that affect so many lives. But there is help, is there not? The Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. saved. Well, ask a drowning man if he knows what it means to be saved. Sometimes you see them lying on the beach. Somebody's working over them. It was about once, I think, in Russia we saw that happening on the boat. They were working on somebody. And they finally gave up. They pulled up shore. They dumped the body on the shore and they took off. Now, wouldn't it be interesting if somebody had come along and said, I wonder if we could bring him to life. Well, that's an imagination, but it's that real about the sin issue. We are dead in sins. There is life possible. And to be dead in sin then changes to life in Christ. When someone will hear the gospel and trust them as their own personal savior, and their lives are changed by God's grace. They have a new master. And the Lord calls the shorts as far as shots as far as they're concerned. All right, not only then is it God's way or the highway, I'm a prisoner of Christ. What's it also say in verse 2? Now to our beloved Ephesians, Archippus, our, uh, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in my house. So not only then is there a soldier or prisoner involved, but here he talks about a soldier. Soldier is someone, as we mentioned earlier, but uh, under command. It's a team. We enlist when we trust Christ. And he becomes the one who guides and directs us. And so there's conviction. So what are we here for? And what we're here to do? And who's going to help us do it? The Lord says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Boy, it'd be a tough thing if we were on our own, wouldn't it? <laughs> we're not on our own. We've got the Lord to help us and guide us and direct us and Help us do the right things and do the things. We're, we're soldiers by conviction. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, you can go to sleep at night with that, can't you? That's great when you can say, Thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Help me to learn it's a, it's a constant learning process. We never can say, oh, I know it all. And sometimes we know how to find out how little we do know. And that's an occasion for us then to trust the Lord and dig into it and find out what it all means. So a soldier then is a, t- a part of a team. Uh, there is, has to be endurance. 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has called him to be a soldier. We have a soldier here today with us. 
That's your son, right? <laughs> and maybe we have some others too, I don't know. And some of you have been soldiers, so you know what that all means. So we have an obligation. And uh, as soon as people come to this country, in fact, I had a great-grandpa born in Germany in... Eight forty. He came to this country, met a man that was on furlough from the Civil War, and uh, took his place. He became a soldier in the, the, the Civil War. And uh, I knew him. He died in 1936, 96 years old. My father was born in Denver in 1892 came to this country, and in 1917, joined the army, and they sent him to France, World War I. <laughs> so it's just some interesting things about family sometimes, and uh, what they tell us about the decisions they made, and those decisions in both cases, of course, identified and settled their citizenship in this country. And when we get saved... We have a citizenship in heaven. And it doesn't happen automatically. It's a decision on our part. We have to move to where we were to where we want to be when we trust Christ and it happens. What a wonderful joy that is to have God's work in our life. So, God's way or the highway. Okay, Lord, I want to be a prisoner for you. You tell me what to do, where to go, and how to do it. When you be a soldier, we have to be afraid of the battles that are ahead. There are going to be battles. And we never get away from that, no matter how many years we've been on this planet. There's always battles to face. So, another thing here, as we read down through these few verses, chapter, uh, well, chapter one, there's only one chapter, Verse 2 is what I'm trying to say. See that word church? Hey, we got a church here, right? What does it say about this church in your house? A lot of churches have been started in houses and gone on to do great things for the Lord. There have been a lot of those churches that have not gone on to do great things for the Lord. If you read church history, you find over and over and over again, it's churches had to be restarted because they had drifted away. Did that happen in our day? You better believe it. There are not a great host of Bible-believing churches that stand on the faith once for all and deliver to the saints. I'm ashamed to say, church, schools that I've attended and others have attended, all many of them started out with good reason, good purpose, good leadership, and they gradually have drifted away and compromised their stand for the Lord. In the seminary that I graduated from, long ago, I do have no support for them anymore. And that's a tragic thing. 
But you read the church history and you see that's happened over and over again. That's not anything unusual. People infiltrate these places and compromise them. And you and I have to stand for the truth once for all, delivered to the saints. They save citizens, heaven. Well, what else is here that we might think about? Are we willing to be a prisoner for the Lord? Are we willing to be a soldier for the Lord? Knocking door, can we have a church in your house? <laughs> well, if you go to Russia, you'll find we were there in Moscow and all across the country and met with often people in houses that were had their church there. And they have paid a price. They're always in danger of being found out and eradicated in any way possible. So the last part of verse 2 includes that. The church is in thy house. There's no reason to believe that it's going to would want to stay there forever, but they had to start someplace. Huh? Anybody here want to let church start in your house? Well, we're not ready to start church now, are we? But somebody has to have a heart and desire to have a place where the truth can be enjoyed and taught and practiced. And if it comes to that, I'm going to be there. How about you? We're going to be there. Church in the house. The truth. So as you read through here, a grace to you, verse 3, and peace from God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. The believers, saints are not some statue somewhere. They're uh, sitting here today, saints, if you're saved. That the fellowship, so what is he talking about here? The truth is what is important. That's why the church has sometimes started in a house. And uh, a church purpose is to do what? Win the lost. Build the saints. Honor the Lord. That's what a church is for. And however it starts, and many of them have started in the house. That's the purpose, the truth, to win the loss, to fight the battles. All of these things that are necessary to uphold what God has given us that changes lives. And how about fellowship, verse 3. Grace and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus. Verse 5, be hearing of their love and so forth. Uh, there's a fellowship. Verse 4 talks about prayer, my prayers. Sharing the faith, verse 6, that the fellowship of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. An encouragement to the believers, verse 7, we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the hearts of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. <laughs> wow, isn't it great to have refreshment? Did you have breakfast this morning? 
Did you enjoy it? You're looking forward to dinner? <laughs> about this evening meal? Well, whatever they consist of, small or big or light, they're necessary, give you the sustaining power you need to live for the Lord, bring honor and glory to his name. So, verse 3, grace and peace in the wicked world. Verse 4, prayer, work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, a testimony. Uh, verse 3, a testimony of spiritual work. Yeah, that's verse 5. Verse 6, sharing faith and soul winning. Verse 7 is encouragement, fellowship of the believers. That's what church is all about, isn't it? And it becomes often something else. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will, I want to, and to do his good pleasure. Oh, that, that transforms life, doesn't it? <sighs> hey, are you saved today? Anybody here who doesn't know Christ as Savior? What you waiting for? Get it settled once and for all. And you do that by saying, Lord, I'm the sinner you died for. Please save me and make me one of yours. And some people have a hard head about it, don't they? It always amazes me about Peter. He'd been told all these things. He did things to serve the Lord. And after he rose from the dead, Peter looked at the empty tomb and he said, fellas, let's go fishing. Whoa! Well, that wasn't the end of it because one day the Lord came out there and said, what are you doing? God, catch any fish? No, he didn't catch anything. Cast it on the other side of the boat. Oh, they found fish. I wonder who it was who knew where the fish were. <laughs> and he knows where the souls that need to be saved are. And let's trust him, walk with him, be a prisoner of the Lord for the Lord's sake, bring honor and glory to his name. Let's bow in prayer. Father, today we are reminded how weak and unprepared sometimes we are to please you, but help us to have it in mind each day. Lord, what, what would you have me to know and do today? Who could I be an encouragement to? Or maybe there's some dear one who's trusted Christ, man or woman, and they're discouraged. They don't know what to do. Lord, give us a heart for your work in each life. We pray you work in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly live broadcast from Pear Park Baptist Church. We pray the service was a blessing to all our listeners. Our earnest prayer is that you personally have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 6 and verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10.13 tells us, For whosoever shall call 
upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to trust Christ, you must first believe that you're a sinner, deserving of God's judgment, and that Christ died to pay God's penalty for your sin, and that he rose again from the dead. Then you may, right now, pray, and according to Romans 10.13, call upon God and ask for salvation through Jesus Christ. If you've made a decision to trust Christ, let us know. The number of the offices at Fair Park Baptist Church is 434-4113. Someone's generally available to take calls during regular weekday business hours. In addition, the best means to spiritual help and growth is through faithful attendance at a Bible-believing church. We would encourage you to be at the very next service of Pear Park Baptist Church. Our weekly prayer meeting and Bible study is at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Sunday schools at 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday mornings with the worship service at 11 and at 6.30 p.m. the evening service. Pear Park Baptist Church is a fundamental Bible-preaching and Bible-believing church located here in Grand Junction at 3102 E Road. And once again, we appreciate your joining us for this live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church.